Sports Show presents House of Rugby. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby. My name is Mortrasani Rul and in studio with me this week is lovely James Downey and Lindsay Peach. You're both very welcome. James, you became a dad for the second time since you were in here last. Is coffee your best friend now again? Yeah, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's nice to get out and get some fresh air and see there's life outside the four walls. But nah, it's good to be out. Oh, good. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And Lindsay, congratulations to you. You kept it quiet, but you're now a Lichrigwell. Tell us all. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am. It's not as exciting. Yeah, <laughs> um, I won't even bore you with that. I, I have very little Irish, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, as you can see, pretty overwhelmed still. The fact that I'm uh, among a very bespoke group. Um, so, yeah, huge thank you to Nemeton, TJ Cahar and to Miriam Fitzsimons, the producer, who who hopefully has done a good job. I haven't seen it yet, so I need <laughs> to see it When can we before. see you on the telly? Oh, God, the 8th of February is my one. Well, uh, we have that Thursday, on record. Yeah, yeah, you can throw darts at the, <laughs> at the telly, but look. Never. Um, yeah, look, privileged. And it was a lovely way, to be honest, to look back at my career and all the amazing people. It's, I suppose it's great with the trophies and I've been very privileged to be successful in that way, but... Um, it really does underneath it all come back to the people that you've played with and against and the coaches and the mentors I'm sure James can echo that with, with his own career so um, it's a lovely way for me to look back and my son is involved and to bring him in and, and hopefully pass on the bug of just the love of something whether that's sport for him or whatever just the love of life or whatever he decides to create his happy place so yeah just thank you to everyone who's, who's been well, part well of the deserved. Thank well you. deserved Lindsay well before we get stuck into the Six Nations chat we'll look back at the weekend's games in round four of the Champions Cup and we'll go in chronological order it was a brilliant team performance and win for Connacht on Friday night in the newly named Dexcom Stadium I have to get my head around that one <laughs> uh, they got the better of the Bristol Bears but because Saracens beat Leon, they're still out of the Champions Cup but they're through to the round of 16 of Challenge. the Challenge Cup so were you impressed by their performance James? Oh, very much so you know I think you saw a lot of players given an opportunity there and I just think that at home in front of that new, well, new, it's going to be hard to come it across is. with that, isn't it? You know, it's like, do you go along the side of the Parky Cueva having the same issue? But <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be difficult. But look, um, look, in the way Connacht went out in front of that crowd um, and produced that performance, especially against Pat Lamb as well, um, obviously of the parish previously and having won the, the Pro 12, 14, the Pro 12, Pro 12 yeah. at that time. So... It's a great performance by them. It's just a pity that they just hadn't done enough in the earlier rounds to, to be able to be in the mix and to get into that round of 16. But they've got to be really happy with how they performed, especially up front. I really thought they took it to that Bristol pack, um, got on top of them physically. And and there's some superb finishing out wide. And Andrew Smith, to try that, should have uh, would have been a worldie of a finish. Yeah. Um, don't know if only the touch judge had kind of been a little bit lenient. Maybe there's a shadow there, but what a finish that was. But uh, if you haven't seen it, please do. Andrew Smith's no try against uh, yeah, against Bristol. It, it was definitely a try. Oh, look, I think it was millimetres they were gone on. I was nearly thinking shadows, the base of his uh, of his boot or the back of his boot of his heel. Um, what a finish, superb. And that comes from the sevens. But he's another player um, mm-hmm. who's who really stepped up that night and, and put his hand up. He hasn't fear, figured too much, you know. Um, he's come from sevens. He's one of these players who will try and kick on from here and I'm sure we'll talk about it with the other provinces, but this break of games now, it is a great opportunity for players to really put their hand up and, and get some game time. Yeah, Connacht showed when they click, they're a very, very difficult team to beat, but they've just lacked 
that continuity and I suppose that ruthlessness and game smarts at times when you look back at the games that they've lost. I'm glad you said game smarts. I think if I'm honest, I thought that was Connacht's best performance of the season so far. The variety of their play. Uh, Caelan Blade was always looking up as was Hawkshaw, as was Hanrahan. Um, so they were always looking to exploit the gaps with Bristol. Like even uh, Hawkshaw's double pump to, to create that line break for the first try was excellent. So I just thought, and their speed of Rook was ridiculous, how they cleared it and how quickly they could get to it. And we saw Dennis Buckley even for Angel's try playing nine, then Murray played nine, then Murray latches Angel and he gets him over the line. And then we saw skip passes and Andrew Smith's boat tries, the disallowed, which I thought was ridiculously harsh. Um, and then the one that he actually finished, you know, skip passes to exploit exactly the width out in the channels um, and he was so um, I suppose disciplined to keep like it's hard for wingers when you're not involved in games um, to keep their width and, and then when they're called upon to actually make sure and it's finished so I just thought they were absolutely excellent and then Hawkshaw and uh, Prendergast to, to chase back to put pressure on and, and the sniff that Bristol had with um Manu Vu, Manu Vu, I can't pronounce his name. I apologise. The winger for Bristol who had a great break and, and it would have been another world class try, but he just, the pressure, he just dropped it on, on the line. So I just thought a, a complete performance. I don't think it's a bad thing, to be honest. If I'm sure I won't get be their favourite, but I think it could be a blessing in disguise to go into the Challenge Cup at the last 16 because personally I would like them to kick on and, and really challenge to go and win some ch- silverware and it wouldn't be bad considering they probably want to balance them, the URC mm-hmm. um, as well. And they could really compete in the Challenge Cup oh, now absolutely. they're against Pau away in the round of 16. Yeah. So, you know, um, we'll see what happens there. Ulster, it was a must-win game for them against Harlequins, but they really came up short against them. It finished 47-19. And despite Ian Henderson saying um, in the build-up to this game that they play at their best when their backs are up against the wall, they really didn't turn up. No, and that's going to be the massively disappointing thing for, for Dan McFarlane. They didn't show anything. Um, pretty lacked a lot of desire out there, it seems. You know, against an Ulster side, who, or against a Quinn side, sorry, who are... A decent side, you know, but um, they shouldn't have been that far ahead. Uh, there's going to be lots of questions, I'm sure, again, behind the scenes with Dan. Uh, what's going on with the yeah. players, where their mindset is, because they were so slow out of the blocks, you know, and it's frustrating to see Ulster. They've just kind of limped through the last couple of weeks over since Christmas. It's just been limping through and it's it's disappointing. Um, maybe has a reflection then on selection for the Irish squad, how many players who w- would normally be there but aren't in the, in the conversation because they're not performing at club level and just kind of we, we spoke so well about Connacht there and it's just the flip side is just Ulster just haven't been the races this season Yeah what's going on with Ulster they just look like a team shorn of confidence Well the game itself was helter-skelter and it was madness but the only team that that was going to suit was Quinns I mean when you have Marcus Smith they're, they're not afraid to run from deep I thought Danny Kerr was excellent he for two tries exploited I don't know if that it seems to come down to basics for me, right? Danny Kerr exploited uh, a, a chink in the armour where there was no pillar at the rook and he just coasted through. Um, then there was a kind of peel off a maul and again, he just line went Lineham's two set. scores as well. Yeah, Lineham's two scores came from just a really like just kicked it downfield, exploited the, the gap in the backfield. You know, there was kind of talk of a bounce of a ball. The bounce of the ball favoured Jacob Stockdale. The bounce of the ball um, favoured Balakoon. Don't know why he slid on it. Easy for me to say, but yeah, if you're going to dive on a ball, dive that your body's like covering it like it's a fire and you want to extinguish it, like, but it kind of bounced off his knee, his hand, and they were two criminal tries. The line out for the first for um, Nick David's try, that was just like a cheeky line out. 
Like it was just yeah. a cheeky line. And, and so many times, even the Marcus Smith quick tap, Ulster have the back to the ball. Like that's underage rugby stuff where you expect yeah, kids to switch off, but not a professional yeah. team. So I am being harsh, but like their their scores that you're kind of like, that's just switching off. That's that's not even a skill set thing. That's just mindset. And really the, the scores just came too easily for Quinns. Like that's the second week in a row now that Ulster have conceded seven tries, 95 points conceded in two games. And it's just not good enough for this level. No, I, I think as well, if you if, if they hadn't have beaten Leinster, um, you'd be nearly talking crisis, maybe. Yeah, but like yeah. b- because they played so poorly, you mentioned their seven tries last week, seven again. And like that's that's crazy stuff, you know, and bar that 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 one victory in the RDS, it's, and that was probably due to conditions as well, you know, and they, they produce one performance. It's just not good enough. It's a flash in the pan and they need to produce a lot more and they need to kind of, they have a bit of time now to regroup. They've lost a few players and this is where the core group will need to stand up and go, right, where are we going as a team? What do we want to achieve out of this season? Because the season's on the line. What needs to change? It's as simple as a mindset thing, you know, Lindsay, it's these small little things. It's not as if the game plan is wrong or it's not working. It's just the mindset. It seems to be from the players from the outside, like, you know, switching off, turning around. There's soft scores that are easily fixed. But if one person misses it, it has that knock on effect, you know, and and then once a team goes behind, all heads drop. And that's just a side lacking in confidence. Yeah, they re- they said, I think it was uh, Stuart McCluskey that was saying they didn't want to be playing in the Challenge Cup, but that's where they find themselves now. Are they good enough to win the Challenge Cup? I'm not sure right now. I think James is right. Things need to change. Like I'm sitting here going, we're, we're, you know, we are harsh. And the harshness is coming from the fact if you look at their team sheet. Yeah, they're a talented oh, bunch talented. of players. Uh, Timney McCluskey, abs- Timney has absolutely earned his call up to the Ireland team. We'll yeah. speak about that in a few minutes. Um, Stuart McCluskey, Ian Henderson, Kitsoff, Nathan Doak, John Cooney, Billy Burns. I mean, Billy Burns's kick for the for the consolation try at the end uh, crossfield for Jacob Stockdale to finish. Excellent flash, but again, flash in the pan. So, you, what you say has to be backed up by your actions. And right now, there's lots of good things being said in the whether it's from Dan McFarland or the players, lots of great things and ambition, but that's not being mirrored or backed up by the actual physical. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, watching the game again, they just you're kind of asking what is going on in your head for yeah. all these little switch offs, you know, because their work has these are international caliber players, do you know? And I think it is kind of a lack in confidence, the inconsistency, um, but. Really on this, the Queen's performance to me, it was just came down to to hunger. Game management a little bit, um, like even Nathan Doak chucking the ball out, trying to keep it alive, but at the bottom of a rook where you can't see where your players are. And it was yeah. an intercept try again for Queen's. They were just all on the backs of, of Ulster's mistakes more so than, yeah, there was great kicks and, you know, quick thinking um, by Liner but, and, and Smith. But um, you have to expect that from Queen's and the style they play. But, I mean, Ulster were well able. So, yes, you don't want to be in the Champions Cup, but if you want to really, you know, prove me wrong or any doubters wrong or yourselves wrong, yeah, go and win it. I think they have the calibre to win it. Yeah. But right now, I think things need to change and there needs to be a drastic change to bring back the consistency and really get this team clicking. Yeah, they probably welcome the break now to regroup. Moving on to Leinster. They left it late to get the bonus point, but again, they got the job done. That game finished um, 27-10 against Leicester. They haven't hit their straps, but they did what they needed to and finished second in the seeding. They beat everyone in their pool. So they are probably where they want to be at this stage. 
Yeah, and and quite comfortably as well. I think slow start, um, obviously to go ten points down, um, but then just they don't really get out of. They didn't need to get out of second gear. Yeah. Um, they're in control. You're not worried. There's no panic amongst the players, even though they go behind. They just stick to their process of what they're trying to do. And then they just overpower teams now, you know, and yeah. they have such quality across the park and, and Leicester have no answer for them. And again, like, okay, we can talk about the the last 16 of they played them again and that's going to be daunting task for the Tigers players and supporters to come over yeah. to the Aviva to go, oh, we've got to do this again. And they'll probably be well up for this one, even more so, you know, and it's, it's and look, again, I don't know, maybe we'll speak about it later, but the fact you've got five of the quarterfinals being group games again, in the last 16s. Yeah. Disappointing, isn't it? It is, it yeah. is. It just takes a little bit off, you know. And okay, okay, if one or two results are gone other ways, then there's a different knock-on effect. But it's still group stages again. Yeah. And yeah, it's just not it, like, it, it, it just, like some of the games should be, oh my God, great games. But then like, oh, okay, it's repeat again. Yeah, it doesn't have that same excitement. Unfortunately not. No, but look again, Leinster doing what they need to do. Take all the boxes, I'm sure. Leo's yeah. delighted. Um, no major injuries. Um, a setback think. again for Harry Burns. Yeah, that's yeah. He just it's frustrating for Harry. You know, I'm sure it's like he he puts in performances, but he just needs that consistency of performance, and it's the word associated. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be in the Six Nations too. Yeah. Can he back up training sessions? Can he back up yeah. some games? Well, if he gets the games, well, can he stay fit for the? for the weeks to be involved for the match day 23. Um, but that would be the only one. And then obviously Frawley took a knock as well um, at the 10 position, but they're just in complete control. Um, they're not under pressure. And it's, it's it's again, it's knockout stages. It's Leinster just need to get some silver this year. I've said it before in the show, they need to come away with something this year. Were you impressed by them, Lindsay? Are you happy with the momentum they've been building now? Yeah, I think they're they're probably inconsistent even within games. You know, they show flashes of exactly what they can do. Um, probably line breaks. Thought Robbie Henshaw was back to his best. He was lively. I loved uh, Mike Ross's um, synopsis of Joe McCarthy, and he's just an ignorant young lad. And what he means by that is he, you know, nothing phases him, and I think he's just willing to get stuck in. He probably was on the cusp maybe of a yellow card. His um, his enthusiasm was just definitely plays on the edge. Oh, but, uh, listen, as myself, and that's the exciting <laughs> yeah. part of him. You know, and that's I can't wait to see what he does. But um, <laughs> same with Ryan Bard. So there was glimpses of very good individual performances. I think they will probably worry. I'm worried about their D a little bit. Sometimes they're narrow. We got caught in the blind side because of the fold was, you know, Larmer was left as was Gibson Park with some big men coming at them. Um, so I think they'd be very happy where they are. There's absolutely glimpses. They're probably simmering at around 60 Sixty percent, like but still sitting top of the ah, URC, finished second in the seedings. So they'll probably be satisfied that they're winning, not at their best, and that they'll they have stuff to work yes. on. They, there's no chance of complacency. It's like building the blocks of Lego. I think they're just happily just moving along and building on layer, layer on layer, week by week. I think this say last year we're probably like all about Leinster, and there's no mm. way anyone's going to touch them. Then it implodes at the knockout mm. stages. I think they've only lost ever at semi final or final stage over the last five years. If I'm right with that stat, um, that's testament to the team they are. But like James said. They're a big club who's invested a lot of time and effort and built up a structure underneath that's come to fruition. They're one of the top class teams, but it hasn't been matched by the silverware yeah. after their four stars. So the elusive fifth hopefully be on that jersey this year. But there's still work to be done. Like La Rochelle were impressive over the weekend. Toulouse are impressive. Like 
Two pounds is nothing. You think you know you've seen it, you've seen his hand all before, and then he just comes out with something. Yeah. Oh, he's just unbelievable for that try for Ramos. So there's still big teams in there. So I think yeah, not ideal they're playing Leicester again, but I think for me the mental side will bring something different. I think that's the only plus side for me is that Leicester Tigers they've met them two or three times over the last number of years, and I think this is going to mentally you know have someone new come at them tactically try and break them down and let's see what they've got so the mental resolve is the one side that they probably need to be tested in rather than the rugby side of things and finally on to Munster what can be said about Munster they had that game they were in the driving seat with 15 minutes to go and they the man manage or the game management and I suppose the lack of depth in their bench perhaps let them down again it's just so frustrating, I think, um, the last couple of games where you're going into that third quarter and you're you're comfortable and like you take off a Peter Mahoney and you kind of give some of the other guys a few minutes and it just falls apart. It's got to be so frustrating, especially when you're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to give credit to Northampton as well, especially Finn Smith. I thought his game management, given conditions in that second half, was was a lot better. His his mindset to go for the drop goal was like I wasn't even thinking about that and he's like a chess player 10 steps ahead of okay we get back in here we get some points keep that scoreboard ticking over keep that pressure and then Munster are they like are they fragile mentally a little bit in that third quarter where they're just trying to hang on they nearly stop playing which is frustrating Um, they get another opportunity to go back to Franklin's Gardens this time in a reverse fixture it's a one-off game they've couple of months before first week of April um, it's a bit of time but again it's just that frustration from yeah. from a Munster side to to capitulate a little bit and, and let them go back in and look you're going to hear Munster come out and say we're not worried about it it's fine yeah. again but it's hap- it has happened too often it has yeah and I think now and this isn't probably a bad time for them to have a break they lose some players to Ireland and now really get these young guys fully focused and fully controlled on what they're doing in the URC and have that as a focus of playing for a full 80 minutes. Even if you're slow to start, finish strong, you know, that's got to be a big area. If I was coaching, I'd say last 20 minutes, let's make sure we we finish really strong. Because as you said there, as James said, they seem to stop playing after that Gavin Coombs try. Is it that they that they didn't have that experience on the pitch at the time with all the changes being made that the power and experience that's needed to close out a game is lacking. Yeah, I looked at that. So Coombs' try was on the 48th minute. They were 20-10 up at that stage and you're thinking, right, they're coasts and they showed glimpses. Um, It wasn't really until Northampton went down to 13 players in that first half, just for half time, where they actually started to really make chances before that. They hadn't so... Now they're ahead in the game and I think, yeah, the management, like it was a penalty for Northampton, then the Smith drop goal and now they're back in the game. So it is about the pressure, not giving away penalties, keeping the ball and that's the management side. I think a big key area for me is the mall. I mean, they're really shipping tries and cannot ma- like manage the mall at this stage. They gave away again a try and Northampton got a turnover and then they were able to manage the game and really close it out and, and keep possession. So if anything, like James said, I think it's just now looking at the young guys and putting them under pressure in training and giving them time in matches that they know what to do in the last 20 minutes because it is a habit to get into, to know what to do, what's the right decision. Um, and at this stage, it's like, don't give away penalties in key yeah, areas. As, as Graham Roundtree said, daft penalties. Daft penalties in kickable areas. And it's grand to give a penalty away if you're in the opposition's 22. You're not under 
jeopardy them. They're not in a kick and spot grand. They can kick for territory, but you're still en- enough enough distance away from your try line or for a kickable penalty um, to not be under that much pressure. And they're the times to give away a cheap penalty if you need to, but then be really disciplined when you're in your own half or your own 22 and you really need to get out of there. What's your exit play? And then I think pressure now that you don't have a Mahoney on the pitch, who's your yeah. line out caller, both defensively or Tyburn now that he'd be in with Ireland. What what what's your decisions on your defensive line out? What's your decision on your attacking mall? Uh, your attacking line out? So there I think the key areas for me that they have to look at is just and w- one other thing that Graham Roundtree mentioned as well is their inability to manage the conditions. And this is something we've seen against Leinster, against mm-hmm. Exeter as well. Um because against Toulon, we saw how good they are on the dry patch. But is it that their style of play is more suited to those conditions? And it, that is something that they have to look at changing a small bit to, yeah, ma- to manage I, the weather I better? I think so, yeah. no. It's, uh, but I think like the way you play and the way uh, Graham Roundtree and Mike Prendergast has them play and attacking, that's fine. But you can you have to adjust for conditions straight away. You know, if, if, like, if it's a dry track and you want to put the ball into the winger's hands, it's all well and good, but if it's lashing rain and there's hailing wind, it's not going to happen. So you rethink, okay, now we're just going to kick, put pressure, force mistakes, yeah. if that's what it's going to be. Keep that scoreboard ticking over. Simple rugby. It's like, mm. it's it's not rocket science to it. And sometimes you can overplay. Try once or twice to get around the extremities. If it's not happening, someone drop in a pocket, play conditions again. Just keep going forward. Especially your forwards will thank you if you're if you're getting <coughs> line eights up there, putting them under pressure. You're going forward rather than trying to force it. Tackled on the wings, knocked back, yeah. penalty against you, mm-hmm. head drops and and it's a knock-on effect, you know. You have to play conditions and, yeah, maybe months there aren't, you know, and just at the moment. And, again, it's an opportunity when the likes of a, a Crowley stepped away, he's going to be with Ireland and someone else gets an opportunity mm-hmm. now to step in and, yeah. and control it and show what they can do. If it's Tony Butler, he can sit back and go, right, I'll play conditions because someone's going to get game time and it can only be good for months so that other younger players are going to be exposed to this game time. And they have a tough run in now. Their own mm. fault, really. They're away to Northampton again. But again, Munster, backs against <laughs> the wall. That's when they seem to step it up. Yeah, and I think, like, look, we're, these are all fixable. Like, it's it's funny. I'm laughing here. I'm listening to James. And it's kind of like a role reversing, isn't it? Like, Leinster were once the team that could only play in dry conditions and they couldn't really win dirty. Now we're looking at them and they're well able to just really graft out and grind out. So I think Munster... Though it needed to to evolve the the evolution of the month or ethos and how they played, you need to probably get that foundation a bit of DNA where you just chuck the ball up the jumper and you're able to win game line that way and and manage the game. So, um, I think that will help when they get a lot of players back. You know, they're really struggling with injuries and then you know, depending on opposition, depending on conditions, it's horses for horses. It's the old yeah. cliche. So, look, I've no doubt they'll go to Franklin Gardens and get the win that they need, but just tweak the little bit that you know game management and. Um, yeah hopefully a couple of young players have come up and put up their hand but yeah I think it's it's positive for them I, I'm not too worried they're all fixables now well, they have now. time to rally now before the round of 16 all eyes now are firmly on the Six Nations and Andy Farrell's squad gathered in the High Performance Centre today and we had a chance to chat to Andy earlier and this is what he had to say Andy, the uh, expectation seems to have gone from winning the Six Nations to doing a Grand Slam. So based on that, is the uh, is the opening game on France, is that like do or die for the, the campaign? <laughs> um, look, uh, you know and um, we all know that uh, Six Nations is unbelievably tough to, to, to win, never mind a Grand Slam, you know. And, uh, 
the reason we love it is because everyone talks about getting off to a good start and momentum and blah 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 but it takes it, it takes its own course after the first game after the second the most important thing is that you're in the frame come the last weekend and that's what we're, we're all trying to achieve and just on Jack Crowley, uh, there's been people writing in the uh, papers at the weekend that he needs to learn how to deal with pressure. Some people are saying he needs to be given time to do that. Some people are saying he needs to just do that immediately. So I'm interested to see what your approach might be for him. Oh, just to help him, help him and, uh, understand where his game's at and, and, and what that looks like within, within the Irish camp and uh, keep growing him as a, as a player and a person. And just you said you didn't like being on the camera. Was there anybody who did love being on the camera and kind of played up to a little yeah, bit? David Kilcoyne, but he's not here anymore, so uh, that's one bonus. Cheers, Andy. Dave Kilcoyne, we'll have to keep an eye out for him. I'm really looking forward to that, Doc. But that was at the Six Nations launch at the Guinness Storehouse earlier. Um, firstly... Reaction to the squad, Lindsay, we haven't been chatting to you since the squad was announced last Wednesday. Um, pretty strong squad, no uncapped players in there, no surprises really. Um, what was your reaction? I'm delighted we went for consistency, I suppose. Um, I think the disappointment to the World Cup, um, you want to get back on the horse and I think it'll go a long way for these players to just get, uh, I think a Grand Slam is really something that, you, you know, the pressure going to France to win that opening game uh, will be tough, but I have no doubt they'll do it. So looking forward to seeing some of the young guns probably starting, really putting their hand up. Um, delighted to see Calvin Ash back in there and getting it. I think we had to pick our players and he was definitely one I was liking to see. Same with Ryan Bard and I'm not sure now with Tom Heron after being knocked out and injured over the weekend, but hopefully he'll be back in. I know he's only in the extended along with um, Prendergast, but it's exciting to see them back in. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it now. Yeah, he's named three training panellists, Ollie Yeager, Tom Ahern and Sam Prendergast. But as I said, no uncapped players, James, which would indicate that they're really focused on winning this Six Nations as opposed to a whole new restart after the World Cup. Yeah, and I, yeah, I guess it's, we don't really panic over here. I think if this is England, you'd see a raft of changes and maybe a whole new squad as, uh, as they brought in a lot of younger players, even across some of the other ones. I think the bread and butter is the Six Nations for us, you know, and um, I think financially for the RFU, it's it's worth a hell of a lot of money. So um, the higher up you finish, the more you're going to get. So I think we like to perform strongly. We don't make too many changes and he's been consistent in that. Um, yeah, it's great to see Tom O'Hara and people like that. Uh, Prendergast in the training squad, Ali Yeager, be interesting to see how he goes as well. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's a pretty kind of standard squad. The interesting thing is obviously first time at no Johnny Sexton so um, mm. Andy Farrell mentioned it there um, it's 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 going to be a big one that selection of 10 you know no Ross Byrne either so there's two of you and Joey yeah. Carbage you know and there's a lot of players who've missed out so it's it's uh, you've got um, Jack Crowley you've got Harry Byrne and you've got Kieran Frawley where they try and play these guys is yeah. going to be very interesting for me Jack Crowley's got his uh the jersey in his hands Surely at the moment. he's nailed on as number one. I, I think he has to be. But he's the most consistent hand at the moment. If you look at Harry's been injured a little bit and Kieran Frawley's multi-positional, so he's been dropping in and out again. He's the most consistent hand at the moment who's playing 10 consistently um, and getting the minutes under his belt. And, and playing well. He's playing exciting. Well. Yeah, he is. Would you be worried about his lack of game management at times or is it just that he needs more experience and exposure at the highest level? Um, exposure and experience brings unearths situations where he makes decisions so they're either right decisions or wrong mistakes learning 
it'll only help his growth in this in this position. The fact that he has the likes of Pierre Romani there, Ty Byrne, players he's played with, experienced players at international level, that'll only just really galvanise him. Um, obviously, Gibson Park is probably the top leader for nine, and I think it'll be nice that he is experienced at at that. He's also very similar to Craig Casey and how quick they want to play the rook. So I love the way he. you can always see him looking and he's always looking for gaps or what's the next thing, um, what's the next decision. And that would have been the same as Johnny Sexton. He's not afraid to make the decision based on what he sees. He will obviously execute the game plan that they want. Um, but I think he's an exciting player and he has a whole array of talent that, you know, I hope to see that he'll, he'll showcase that. But I think for him, just consistency, build his confidence and and like cement that with that consistency he will cement the 10 jersey if I could get that out of my mouth as much as I could <laughs> so, go on I was going to say I think with the French game up first as well is is a pretty tough task you know yeah. it's in Marseille that's it's, the biggest game he'll ever play mm. yeah you know and, and, and there's some learnings there you know of like going over there and if you can handle that cauldron especially post-World Cup France and um, they'll be certainly fired up the French supporters to, to get behind them and, and it's going to be uh what an opener, you know, and, and again, he mentioned it there. It's one that can kind of grand slam or no grand slam. Yeah. And um, He doesn't can, shy away, though, does he? No, no, not, and I don't not, think he needs to. Him, like. No, I don't think so. And I don't, I think the cider, like you go over there and it depends, like a bit of a change of the guard in certain positions, but I think we have a squad that can do something, you know, and and it's it's a World Cup cycle, so we don't need to panic if mm-hmm. things don't go according to plan and um, if some partnerships don't work give it time and if once they get time they'll embed it but it's it's going to be an interesting six nations because I back ourselves against every other nation I just think this French side I don't want to go too much about the, the first game but like this French side first up it's tough even without Dupont yeah. No, but they still have their like they name Gregory Aldrich, Aldrich as as their captain, and yeah. he was stand out in the World Cup like he is world class out there. And I think they've so many players we could that are remaining from the World Cup, and you know they were definitely worth the, you know the tickets to in like they were exceptional. So I I expect them to also build on the back of that World Cup and disappointing for them. But um, I think we're in a good place. So I agree with James. I think it's it's good. It's exciting. It's consistency. The boys will be egging to get back into camp. I know Pio Manny said that. You know in all the talk that was just extra noise for him he was just so proud and huge congratulations to him I know when you say it's a boyhood dream for any athlete um, you know it's it's one that's memorable for him and I think he's deserved it so um, the best of luck with the tournament as it goes well, on On the captaincy let's hear from Ireland's captain Peter O'Mahony Peter a lot of people have been saying that this might be your last Six Nations does that kind of talk annoy you going into this or does it bother you at all? Um, look there's been a lot of talk about about me and, and, and my situation over the last uh, over the last few weeks since I've got the phone call from Andy, it's kind of been um, kind of kind of a pinch yourself moment, and, and, I, and I've been enjoying myself and uh, you know turning the page now since the game at the weekend to, to look forward to the next two weeks and, and just looking forward to getting back into camp with the lads. You know I haven't seen them since since obviously. Um, you know, we left France and, and, and obviously the disappointment of that. You know, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into a bit of work and, and seeing everyone again and, and uh, getting back on the page. You spoke previously about the likes of Paul O'Connell and the older Munster players almost breeding you to be the captain when you're uh, a bit younger coming through. Is there anybody in the Ireland camp now, the younger players, that you see as a potential leader in the future? Look, there's lots of guys who I see as potential leaders and, and are very much leaders of the group at the moment. Um, you know, 
know, the leadership group that, were, that was under Johnny, uh, including myself and, and, and the guys that are still there now, you know, I'll, I'll be hugely dependent on and, and you know, be looking to, for advice and, and, and help, you know, all along the way. You know, it's it's far from a one-man job, this, this role, and, and I think, I'm sure Johnny would say the same, he was very lucky with the group he had under him, and, and uh, you know, I'd be no different, uh, you know, we've grown that group quite significantly over the last few years and you know it's a group that takes responsibility well and, and leads incredibly well and I think that group is only going to get bigger with the quality of player that we have in our squad. Just finally for me, uh, Johnny Saxon's approach was let's say fiery uh, towards the referees. Do you have an approach that you're going to be taking into the Six Nations that might differ from what you've done in the past or are you just going to keep doing what you, you did with the likes of Munster? Look, I've, I've been engaging with him for a long time and, and I, haven't, uh, I haven't thought about it usually but you know, I'm looking to work with him as, as well as I can um, you know, it's, 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 I know it's a difficult role it's a tough role but it's, it's, it's a very important role as well and, and as, as is my role to, to, um, you know, to communicate as, as, as well and as properly as possible and uh, hopefully we can, we can we weren't sure if Andy Farrell would start the rebuild by appointing a new captain or would he go for continuity and experience. He's gone for the latter. Peter Romani is a born leader, has been since he started playing. Was he the obvious successor to Johnny Sexton? Um, for me, yes, absolutely. When you think about it and you kind of sit back in the light of day and you can kind of have questions and with your friends and kind of go oh who might be captain but he's the one that pops to the top the whole time you know he's he's been there he's done it um i know he's captain the side previously but this is a first proper appointment for him he's done it for Munster for years and it's thoroughly deserved you know lindsay mentioned it there like all the superlatives you can say about him as a person as a leader um he's certainly the right person as i would see it coming into the six nations anyway and who knows beyond the contract situation with Munster and the IRFU seems to be a bit of a shambles. It seems to be ongoing as well. Hopefully they get it wrapped up and sorted. But surely the obvious answer is that the IRFU would extend his central contract now that he's captain of Ireland. I don't see why they wouldn't even extend it. Like they extended it last year for a short period for the year and they can do that. You know, they've done it with the likes of Keen Healy and it was great to see him back in the squad. I think he's third leading uh, on the caps list. So... Um, hopefully more out of him. So it, it's a bit strange and I, I find it disappointing that, you know, that has taken possibly a little bit of the gloss off that that's the background noise as well as part of the chat to, you know, to sort this contract. That's the kind of business side of things that needs to be looked after off the pitch and away from, I suppose, media and our stuff, you know, because at the end of the day, Peter Matney, like James has said, has really earned his, his captaincy. Mm-hmm. He's really earned that role. I watched him for his try that... um Calvin Nash game over the weekend against Northampton and if you see the um, reaction of his own players as well as we've seen with Irish players I think it just absolutely underpins exactly how important he is to this squad and I always like to see the reactions of people because humans can't hide their feelings and they obviously have the utmost respect for him because they don't go celebrating and cheering like that when he on his return from injury and scoring a try and that that it just epitomises the man he is. So I think he's going to be central. I think it's a good decision to keep experience because there's a lot of young guys there who are just, you know, dipping their toes in, in international rugby. And I think it's very, there's probably no one there and you might have a different opinion, James, but I don't think there's no one there 
there isn't a player there right now ripened enough to take that captaincy into the long term. I think this is a good decision and again, keep blooding the players on the the skill sets wise and getting experience with game with tests and managing game situations and then you know, there are so many leaders in the background, but um, their time will come. Well, that's the best way to bring the next yes. leader through. This is the best way to work on the succession plan. Who do you think will be falling behind Peter O'Mahony now and looking to follow in his footsteps? Oh, I don't like it's a tough situation, I suppose, to, to call a captain. For me, when I personally, when I was playing, I used to love having a forward as a captain just because they're in there in the cold face the whole time and, and they're dealing with the referee and if you had a winger running in it just breaks momentum I think if you have a 10 um, at least he's close to the referee as well but um, who's there look you've got people like Henderson who's in there who's been captain for Ulster as well and there's experience across the board like even like I think would you look at someone else I shout like a Caelan Doris maybe down the line you know he's unbelievably world class at the moment and how he's played uh, how he is a, as a leader I don't know within the group. I'm not sure, um, but they are. There's experienced good players out there, you know, and not necessarily Pete be the one who's going to speak in that group. Um, but once you're out in the field, everyone knows what they're doing at that level, and and they have the right talk. But behind it, it'll be a tough decision, you know, because it's you, you've lost obviously Johnny, who's gone there, and if Pete does it now and say for argument's sake that Pete's going to finish up. Well, who's to who, say he won't make the will, next World Cup? Well, that's it. Know? Look, it's up to it. Like it. It's up to Peter as well, because yeah. maybe the question has to go, what What do you want to do, Peter? You know, instead of going, oh, you haven't been offered a contract and does he want to continue? Maybe he does. Look, I guess I think he does now on the back of, of yeah. on the back of the captaincy. Maybe he was questioning it by, by the way it says. Um, I had that conversation and he, a pinch himself moment, as he said, and maybe that's given him that little bit of injection to go, do you know, I keep going. I'm loving it and I'm really enjoying myself. And it's all about enjoying himself. Once he loses that smile, then it's time to go. Well, we saw the difference he made to Munster when he came on against Toulon when he came back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just his presence on the pitch. It's what he gives as a player. And he he's going to be a nailed on starter. Huge. And I think like when you're a captain, it's it's he speaks so well. I, I think that's a given. I can only imagine some of the speeches that he is. But again, I think for me personally, a captain, you thrive on the fact that they back it up with action. And my God, he's probably had this you know, nearly a, a second breakout uh, of his Irish career any, anyway in the last 24 months. Um, I thought I'd, he was playing some of the best rugby he's ever played. He looks fit, turnovers, getting involved, you know, not afraid to to get a bit mouthy with some players who need to put a bit of manners on them. So um, I think, I don't think it's ever a case with Piramani. I think his endeavour and his passion will, will never like lighten or never weaken but I think maybe it could be a case like rugby it's it's a game it's a war of attrition and sometimes the body might make the decision more so than the heart or the head so it, he's he's had a couple of injuries he was long standing off with that shoulder wasn't it so um, I think if he can stay fit I think listen reach for the stars Pete you know keep going and you know once he's playing well and as I said he's a huge character in there like we you know I wouldn't put a I wouldn't put a expiry date on him anyway yeah. for now well, we've Ireland in the hunt for back-to-back -back Grand Slams this year. Um, we'll go in, in detail next week um, as we look ahead to the first round of the Six Nations. But just looking at other squads, we have Ireland without Johnny Sexton. We have France without DuPont. We have England without Owen Farrell. That's a whole lot of experience gone. Are Ireland still favourites um, heading into the competition, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I do. I would pretty much put them level with, with France, I still think just because we France away first up because there's so much unknown in there and if you play them at the end you kind of get a bit of momentum and you know who's playing well and who's not you can kind of call it a little bit more but that kind of 
unknown quantity of, of going to France and, and playing in first game is, is going to be difficult. But you, you've mentioned some of the players that are missing there. Um, Farrell's going to be huge for England. England do things completely differently to us and they'll revamp their squad, which they have. And uh, there's new coaches going to be coming in post this, uh, or is it the Six Nations they're in? Mm -hmm. Is Felix Jones in now? Yeah. Um, so it's a great chance for them to lay down a marker. And it's kind of Bordwick's first Real crack, Real isn't crack, it? yeah, because he yeah. was drafted in pre-World Cup and now it's like, okay, this is when he was supposed to have come in and it's a, a good opportunity for them to build, but England build for four years. They're all World Cup cycles, you know. I don't think we are, as I mentioned before. So Wales again, youthful side, uh, and Scotland, I think we should have enough to... to he went for the co-captaincy. Cool oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, actually, when we were chatting about Ireland captain, I was like, well, whoever takes filled the shoes of Peter Mahoney it will not be yeah, yeah it won't, won't be a co-captaincy um, I was interested with Wales their, their captain now is 21 so they're yeah. obviously starting from the ground up I don't see kind of Wales and Scotland without being disrespectful I think again they will probably start afresh um, and they don't have what I feel is as much talent coming up through the under 20 system from what I've experienced and watched um, between the their six nations and the the world championship um, we're in we're in good stead but I think France, you never know where you are until yeah. the first game of Six Nations, regardless of the opposition. But I mean, you don't want to go to France. But I do think England might be a dark horse because I think, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing with Farrell return because, again, there's a huge reliance on, on such experience. And I think for him as well, maybe just to get that love of rugby back and just take some time out, maybe, you know, he's been an exceptional player. But Head off I don't to think Stuart it's Lancaster a bad thing. Yeah, I think it'll <laughs> be a know. good move for him. But I also think that they've brought in some changes, England. I think. You know, there was all this talk about England being in, you know, dire straits, but um, I don't think their clubs are showing that there's been some exceptional, uh, you know, the top six in the in the Premier performing very well in Europe. And so I do think they'll be a dark horse. I think it would still would be fine, but I still think they'll kind of remind them, they'll take opportunity to remind the world that they're still um, one of the big powerhouses in, in world rugby. Well, the excitement is really starting to build now. My thanks to Lindsay and James. We'll leave it there for this week. We'll be back again on House of Rugby next week as we look ahead to round one of the Six Nations. Sports Show presents House of Rugby.